0: Thank you, praise team. Man, that's exciting get to have baptismal two weeks in a row. Praise the Lord. We're excited for new birth. Amen. We are going to be continuing our Holy Spirit series. So if you're watching online or with, if you're with us here at church, obviously you are. Uh, if you want to grab your phones, you can pull out the app. You can go Church on the Rock Huntley. And in there is your insert if you want to take a few notes and different things, but we welcome everybody today We welcome those that are online. We got people watching all over the place I was talking to somebody today and they said hey, I watched you online this week And that's still a little bit hard to get used to people coming up and saying that to you, but you know COVID may have done a lot of things, but here's one thing it forced us to do is it forced us to get that message out on, online. And we have seen so many people come to Christ doing something that we weren't doing before. So God works everything for good. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about, last week we talked about being made aware of the Holy Spirit, trying to be cognizant of Him, realizing that we're the temple of the living God and the Holy Spirit is with us. Uh, We talked about how he's there. How many remember last week when we talked about how how when Jesus gave parables and he taught things, how if the disciples didn't know what was going on or what he said, how he would pull up a rock and he'd teach them what he just said. And how now through the Holy Spirit we still can continue that kind of a relationship. But today I'm going to be preaching that. We're going to be continuing on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be preaching about he gives you the power to do it. He gives you the power to do it. The Bible says that God gives us both the desire. Everybody say desire. He gives us both the desire and everybody say and the power. So he gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, sometimes we get caught up or we get stuck in the to-do where we don't do so good at the to-do's. And we feel like we, we don't do it. We, we aren't doing what we need to do. But I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is here and he can create a passionate, ever-increasing yearning for Christ. He can keep that desire inside of you alive. You know, in the Old Testament, Abraham had a son named Isaac and he sent out his servant to go find Isaac a wife and this servant went out in a foreign land and he found this woman and he knew that this was the right woman and he took this woman from her home she he put jewels on her he dressed her he got her ready and then he brought her back to Abraham's son Isaac and presented this daughter presented this woman unto Isaac to be his bride and brothers and sisters, that's an Old Testament scripture. But that's a New Testament example of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the, is the presence that goes out and finds you in the world that you live. How many remember when you were without Christ and you were out in the world doing the, your own thing and the Holy Spirit came to you and began to draw you to give your heart to Jesus? That's the, so the Holy Spirit is there to, to draw you to Jesus, and then he takes you and gets you ready. He, 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 pres, he gets you ready. He gives you gifts. He, he gets you uh, clothes and gets you ready to bring you back to the bridegroom. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is here to do that for us. He's here. How many ever bought a house or had to put down a down payment on something? Okay, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is an earnest or a down payment deposited in you to make sure that you get to heaven, that you find your way, that you have the desire and the power to make it all the way. Write down Philippians 1, 6, if you don't care. The Bible says that he that hath began a good work in you, he's also going to continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say he began a good work in me. He began a good work in me. He's going to continue a good work in me. I want you to see that the Holy Spirit is a deposit in you. It's a deposit. It's a guarantee. It's, it's God putting something inside of you saying, I'm going to make sure that you get to be brought to the bridegroom. And I want to ask you, what kind of bridegroom, do you, what kind of bride do you think that the Holy Spirit's going to bring to Jesus? You know, we're the bride that he's preparing, that he's getting ready to bring us to Jesus. What kind of bride is it going to be? Is it going to be one that's half-hearted? Is it going to be one that's lukewarm? Is it going to be one who's not devoted to Jesus and is kind of cold cold and indifferent? No, the Holy Spirit is going to present a passionate bride whose love is always growing in Jesus. He gives us that love that's always growing. He gives us the desire and the power to to do it. The Holy Spirit becomes a voice in our spirit that cries out for more of Jesus. You know, some Christians think that uh, that it, it'll happen when I go to heaven. That everything'll change and I'll be the way the Lord wants me then. But I want to say the Holy Spirit is here today to give us passionate love and to give us passionate desire this side of death. Somebody say Amen. Look at Romans eight twenty six. Romans eight twenty six. This is a this, this describes a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the heart of a believer. The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Look at that. The Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. He helps us in our weaknesses. And then I like how this says it. It says, for an example. Um, Don't just highlight this is the only thing to do. This is just an example. In other words, the Holy Spirit is here to help me. Well, here's an example of that. How many know there's lots of examples how the Holy Spirit's here to help us? Well, here's an example of that. When we don't know what God wants us to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed with words. So, so in our weaknesses, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit comes and puts a cry in our heart. He puts a cry in our heart. He, 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 in some scriptures it says that he puts that perfect prayer, that perfect utterance, and that perfect groaning that we don't even know how to express with words. He puts a groan, a cry deep inside our heart for no more of him. It's a deep groan. It's an emotional, it's profound, so much profound that there's not even ways to express it. You know this Hebrew word for groaning there means a yearning. A yearning, a yearning to long for more of Christ. It's like this example is like a deep down body thirst. I'm gonna put a prayer in Him that they, that they say, Man, all I want in my life is your will for me. I wanna put a groan or a cry in their heart to where all they say is, Take this world from me. I don't want it anymore. Are you all starting to follow what I'm saying? It's an example here. I want to put a, a a voice or a cry in your heart that says this. You're just a pilgrim walking through this world. Get your eyes on a maker in a place that isn't of this world. He He, he puts a cry in our heart to, to, to where you're like I want all that you want for me Lord. I want all your desires that you want for me. Uh, t- uh, take this world for me. Take things out of me that you don't want there to be there's a groaning that he releases inside of us it's a deep down body thirst for more of God it's an unsatisfied appetite for God it's one that yearns for Jesus so much that you sit in his presence and nothing comes out of you except Jesus the only thing that makes me happy is you Jesus I've tasted and you're good and all I want is more of you the Holy Spirit helps us, guys, when we're in our weakness, that He can put that desire in our heart. You know, Christianity, it, it, it's just automatic. If you're not on top of it, it's trickling. Right. If you're not cleaning your car or fixing your house or fixing your car or taking care of something you just bought, if you just bought a weed whacker and you're not taking care of it and you're not, it, 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 it's going down. It just starts drifting down. The minute we get our car, it depreciates, and it starts going down. The, the minute that the, everything we have, everything in this life that we have, the, 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 when we're, what we have to do is we try to keep everything in a certain way, and we try to keep it in a certain way and even going up, but it just naturally trickles down. Guys, that's the way it is with our faith walks. You naturally, you you can come in here and get on fire for God, hear worship service, be all excited and feel touched and moved by God. But sometimes by the end of the road, your fist is up and you're angry because somebody slammed on their brakes in front of you. It's just like it can be drained out of you so much. It It just trickles out so easy. Sometimes I get so full of God and, and, and I think, man, I'm really moving and I'm really going and I'm really doing it, doing it for God now. And then it's like there's just a cork on the bottom of it. It just pops out and it just boop, 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 boop out. I'm learning that God can even help me with that desire. I'm learning that God can even put, when I am weak, when I'm weak, where I don't know how to pray, God can put a groan, God can put a cry in my spirit to where I cry out for what he wants me to cry out for. To where I cry out, take this world for me. I cry out for, have your way in me. I cry out, even that song we sang about the refiner's fire. What was that line that said, Lord, I want to be tried by fire, purified Na, 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 na. How did that, um, Lord? There was a spot in there to where it, it, it was like there was a que- it was like there was a question. Do you want to be? To where you had to say, I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. I'm telling you that God can put this scripture to me, and what I'm trying to portray is God can put that desire in you where you want what He wants where you crave what he craves, where you groan what he groans, and, and it's when you don't have it. But I don't know about you, but that's important to me because sometimes my deep inner cry isn't there. Sometimes my deep cry isn't there, my deep cry of, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes there's a deeper cry of, I like this world, don't take it from me. Sometimes there's a deeper cry of, of where I'm getting sucked into stuff. But the Holy Spirit, when we are weak, he can put a groaning in us that cannot be expressed with words. So I want to ask you, what, How? he is here to help us do it. What kind of a bride is he going to present? Sadly, few have this passionate groaning in Christ. I believe churches are packed with Christians who, who never question or examine their love for Christ. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to find people who are saying, Lord, I'm allowing you, take control for me, take control of my life. I believe the Holy Spirit is looking for people to say, Lord, I want to be tried by fire. I want, that's what it was. I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. And they're beginning to yield to him. And when that happens, there's more of a groan for his presence or a yearning. A- ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit, To start revealing Christ to you in a way that he never has. So the Holy Spirit is here to help us to do it. He gives us desire and he empowers us to live it. Here's my next point I want to make is the Holy Spirit empowers us to live it in all areas of our uh, of our Christian life. I want to compare original Pentecost with the fulfillment of Pentecost. What do you mean by that? For you guys that are, are new in your faith walks, How many know Brother Moses that took Israelites out? How many many know Ten Commandments? Let's get a place of reference where we all understand. Does everybody in the building know what the Ten Commandments are? Hey, seriously, sometimes people, it's getting where some people don't know what the Ten Commandments are. Seriously. So let's get a place, a common ground that we can all stand on. Okay, the first Passover, the first Passover was in Moses with the children of Israel in Egypt. God told, remember the plagues, the plagues of Egypt and all that. Okay, God had his people get in their home and he provided a lamb for each household. In the New Testament, how many know that Jesus is the lamb for each household? So in the the Old Testament Passover, a lamb was provided for each household. Okay. It it, it it a certain it, it at a certain time of the day the lamb was was slaughtered, and then the people in the home ate the lamb, and then they took the lamb and they put blood over the doorpost, and then the death angel passed by, and then everybody has seen the story of Moses where the Egyptian firstborn children passed away, but all of God's people lived. Why? Because there was blood over their house. Amen? Okay, that was what's called the first Passover in the Old Testament. Okay, that is the very first Passover. That's when it was instituted. Okay, when Jesus, the Lamb of God, died and we just celebrated the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, did you know that even on the calendar, it was the very same time? So when Jesus went to town, the Lamb of God came to every household of faith and became the lamb for that household. At nine o'clock in the day, he was put on the cross. He he died on the cross just like that lamb in in the day of Moses, that lamb was died. And when we take communion, we're eating the bread or the body of Christ signifying his life. And then we put the blood over our life for forgiveness of sin so that we aren't judged and put to death for our sins. Everybody with me? That's called the Passover. That's the Passover. There was the Old Testament Passover, and then there was the New Testament Passover. So Jesus is our Passover lamb. Okay. Now, 50 days after the... 50 days after the... Fifty days after the, after the Sabbath is what we celebrate a day called Pentecost. okay? Pentecost, listen to this, this is all going to be interesting, and it, there's a reason for all this. Plus, I think we need to learn something in church, too. OK? I think we need to learn something in church. Okay, OK, 50 days after Moses left Egypt, the very first, that was the first Passover. Well, 50 days later, how many know what, were, what, was, what happened 50 days later after they left Egypt and went, were heading to the promised land? What, what happened 50 days later? Anybody know? They gave the law. Everybody say the Ten Commandments. They gave the Ten Commandments. So 50 days after the Sabbath, you count 50 days, and the children of Israel marched around. And they went to Mount Sinai. And Moses went up the mountain and got the Ten Commandments or the law that we have now. Okay? He got the law up there by God. Okay. So, everybody's with me on that. I needed to do that. Okay, Pentecost in the book of Acts is the very same way. Fifty days after the Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead, if you count 50 days from then... There's going to be what we celebrate is Pentecost. Okay? So when you hear Pentecost, what's that mean? It means 50 days after after Jesus rose from the dead. The first Pentecost is when the law came. The second Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, listen, that's when the Holy Spirit came. Are you all with me? So the first one, the first Pentecost, it brought law and it brought death. Because nobody could keep the law. The first Pentecost, there was a cloud that descended. There was a loud noise. I'm talking about with Moses. There was a cloud that descended on the mountain where Moses went up and get, got the Ten Commandments. There was a loud noise. There was a fire up on the mountain. Moses only participated. God took and wrote the law on tables of stone. And Moses brought it down, these tables of stone that God wrote the Ten Commandments on. And when he got down there, he broke those Ten Commandments because they were breaking all those laws. And listen to this. 3,000 people, everybody say died. 3,000 people died. That was the original Pentecost. Well, the fulfillment of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the very same thing. There is a cloud. The Bible says the Holy Spirit descended in the upper room like a cloud. There was a loud noise at Moses' time. There was a loud noise at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There was a fire in the original Pentecost. In the, in the Acts chapter 2, fire sat upon each of their heads. In the original Pentecost, Pentecost. Only Moses participated. In the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, all participate. Anybody out there say amen. All persist, participate. In the original Pentecost, God wrote on tables of stone the Ten Commandments. In the fulfilled Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he writes his word on our heart. And he writes the word on our mind. In the original Pentecost, 3,000 people died. But in the fulfillment of Pentecost because of Jesus, the Passover lamb, 3,000 plus lived. 3,000 plus got saved. It was for everybody. So there's something about Pentecost that a lot of people don't know about. I'm telling you that God gives you both the power. He gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. When you don't have that desire, that first point, when you don't have that desire burning in your heart for more of God, when you don't have that prayer that you can say, refining fire, take your place, take this world from me, when you don't have that, I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit will put a deep groaning in your spirit. Will you cry out for more of God? Will you cry out, take this world from me? I don't want it anymore. But then you move in to the second point, how, how, how something about this Pentecost, that first Pentecost, the law, nobody could do it. It killed. It, 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 it was the same, but there's something about this Pentecost that a lot of people don't understand. It's Pentecost is the empowerment to walk righteous on this earth. How I many you say, man, I stink at walking it out? I stink at walking it out. I stink at doing it. It's mistake after mistake after mistake. Guys, the the fulfillment of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and the tongue set upon each of their heads, that's you. Everybody says there's a tongue of fire on my head. There's a tongue of fire on my head. The Holy Spirit descends on your head. Pentecost is the ability to walk out, righteously on this earth what Jesus did Jesus our Passover lamb came and he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the, of the Lord I always think of this I love Isaiah 53 that says he was wounded for my transgressions I, I, I'll say Lord you were wounded for my transgressions I have transgressed your law I break your law all the time you were wounded for my transgressions you were bruised for my iniquities How many know that Christ died and was bruised for our sins, our iniquities? The chastisement for my peace was upon your back. In other words, God's anger, God's wrath. Do you guys ever have some anger on yourself when you you mess up? How many get angry with yourself? How many beat yourself up? How many hit yourself and black your eye and black your face uh, um, when, when you fail and when you do wrong? So the chastisement for our peace, in other words, when we're chastening ourselves not even to consider when we feel the chastening or, or, or feel like God's like judging me for what I've done wrong. But the Bible says the chastisement for my peace was upon, everybody say, Jesus back. Jesus, everybody said, Jesus back. And by his stripes, I'm healed. I'm healed. So Jesus, our Passover lamb, he fulfilled righteous requirements. He gave us his righteousness. But the Holy Spirit came to empower us to live it. When the law was given in the original Pentecost, they had no power to keep it. Moses was coming off the mountain. And when he got off the mountain, he was like, what is going on down here with these people? They were having orgies and, and sexual parties and drunkenness and and worshiping worshiping calves and cows and it, it all went downhill real quick when the man of God was just went up the mountain for forty days. It all went to hell in a handbag. Just boom, just boom, quick. It just spiraled down so fast. Moses came down off the mountain and he was like, what's up with, what's going on down here? And these, the first Pentecost, the law, he took them and he broke it. He broke them. And I want to say this, they were breaking the law. Moses made the original tablets, but they were breaking the law way before Moses came down to break the tablets. The very moment God was writing the law, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not worship idols. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right while he was doing all that, they were breaking them. They were breaking them. They were transgressing. They were transgressing. They were failing. You might say it like this, before the ink even dried. Couldn't even get them written. Why? Because the original Pentecost, the giving of the law, none of us could keep it. None of us could do it. It killed 3,000. But I want to encourage you that you're preaching on the Holy Spirit. First, I'm telling you he gives you the power and the desire to do it. The second thing I'm telling you is he, he, Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements and he forgives us our sins. And the second Pentecost is like they didn't have the power to do the law. The second Pentecost is the words written on our hearts and our mind and the Holy Spirit helps us to walk it out. Is God asking too much to ask us to keep some commandments? You know, he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. He wants to fulfill the law through us. Is it too much? You know, they don't seem so difficult or hard, but they are. You know, if I can country boy the Ten Commandments, they don't seem so difficult, but it seems like we do break them. All he's saying is, hey, just one God. Remember, I'm a country boy. Just one God. Well, many would say, I just have one God. My question back to you is, really? Nothing? You just have one God? I want to challenge that. You all are telling me you have one God? Only you can judge yourself on if you do But what gets in your way every time over God? It seems like like if anything competes with your time or your money or anything, God can take the second row all the time. He can take second fiddle all the time. And you say, well, I only got one God. My question is, do you? Or does something else share your heart? See, I think we need to examine ourselves and be open to that. Country boy, just one God. Put nothing before God. Hey, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Get yourself to Sunday meeting. These are the Ten Commandments, country boy way. Honor your mom, and Paul. And no killing. No fooling around with another guy's gal. Don't be a taking what ain't yours. No telling tales of gossiping. Don't be hankering for your buddy's stuff. That's all the Ten Commandments. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, how many know we can't do any of those? Anybody out there say, man, we can't do any of those. But the Holy Spirit empowers us. He writes the word in our heart, and he gives us the power to do it. Many believers only think of divine empowerment as an enablement to perform the miraculous. It is that. You know, the, next week I'm going to teach on the gifts of the Spirit, where He gives us the ability to perform miracles, to do mighty exploits. But the infilling of the Holy Spirit is also the empowerment to consistently live out our Christian life in all areas. Anybody out there say amen. Each individual's unique. We all struggle with different personal weaknesses. The Holy Spirit knows our hearts, our motives, our personal flaws. We can depend on him that he helps us uniquely to live out our Christian obedience to Christ. God's people, we need the Holy Spirit working in us, not just on church on Sundays, but every day in our lives. In our homes, in our schools, in our marriages, in our personal lives. How many know that we need him to help us do it? So, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is here in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came to all of us, it was here to empower us, to give us the power to do it. The second, the, the, this is my last point I want to preach on, on this, on the power to do it, is It's is, is abiding in the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. It's just been in the last, I've been reading the Bible for 33 years I know that Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, uh, virtue, all these. And we da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Do da, 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 da. you know that scripture has just came alive to me like in the last few, like the last year. It's just like amplified. Because I'm that, I'm that John chapter 15 that's trying to produce some fruit. I'm groaning. I'm, 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 I'm working. I'm trying so hard. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm willpower, determination. I'm trying so hard to produce Christian fruit, and it seems like I can't ever produce Christian fruit, no matter how hard I try. How many's been on that? No matter how hard you try, no, how determined you are, no matter how many times you say, Lord, I'll never do this again, Lord. You just, man, how do I produce this Christian fruit? The key to producing Christian fruit is abiding. Everybody say abiding. Abiding. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. Christian fruit is when we start, is when we stop trying to press that fruit out ourselves, and we start leaning in to the power of the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit. Now, I'm going to be reading out of, um, in Galatians, I'm going to start at 516. I don't think this is in your notes, but I'm going to be reading out the, the Passion Translation. But the Bible says this. You don't have this, so you might just want to listen. Because I think it's cool, and I hope you can absorb these words. But as you yield, listen to this. Paul's saying this. Hey, guys, as we, I never like to say you, because it's we. As we yield to the the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, we will begin to abandon the cravings of the self-life. Is anybody seeing that happen? How many say I'm seeing that happen? As I'm yielding to the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, I'm beginning to notice that I'm wanting to abandon the cravings of living a selfish life. Anybody out there say Amen. When your self-life craves these things, see, my self-life, when when it craves these things that are offensive to the Holy Spirit, then I'm I'm hindering him from living free in me. Did everybody get that? I want to say that again. When our self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, then we hinder him from living free in us. How many want the Holy Spirit to... Produce fruit and to live free in Him. Well, when our self life—and I'm going to describe what that is in a minute—when our self life begins to do and follow its intense cravings, that it 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 hinders Him from living free in me. And the same time, and at the same time, the Holy Spirit. So so we got me over here that's hindering the Holy Spirit from living in me because I've got these selfish cravings. Of the world, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit has this intense cravings for your self life to stop dominating you. So there's like this conflict. So then, these two incompatible and conflicting forces are within you. You are self life of the flesh, but yet you're also a new creation in Christ Jesus. How many felt that conflict? You've got a self-cravings and self-life of the flesh, but yet you also, you're a new creation in the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you no longer are living under the self-life of the flesh to where this fruit can start being produced in me. But if you yield to the cravings, of the sinful life then you're hindering the spirit from living free in you what a, what a pool what a pool the behavior of the self life is this you, like what is self life Here, here's practices here's what the bible says are practices of self life sexual practices and again don't Dick, whichever one you think is worse than the other, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of blessings of others. Murder. See, even on murder, I, I like to bring perspective. Even on murder, people are like, oh, I I'd never murder. Murder, that doesn't hit any of us in here. No, it probably hits about all of us. The Bible says you murder people every day with your tongue. You know you murder people with your tongues, okay? Uncontrolled addictions or dependencies, wild parties, and other similar behaviors. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? I didn't think I was going to go here, but I am because I know when I'm right on something and that's why I'm up here preaching. I used to be I used to be f- scared to death of 1 f- Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor drunkards, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate of themselves with mankind, neither revilers or murderers. None of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. I used to preach like that. I, I used to just thunder. I'd say, you're going to break hell right open and blah, blah, blah. But brothers and sisters, I've learned the way they translated that is the way First Corinthians is translated. And it's also the correct way of translation of this. Notice it says that, that for these, the, notice this, I haven't already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Amen. The kingdom realm. Because I'm telling you that every one of us are breakers of the law. Every one of these lists, and we get on lists at Church on the Rock all the time, and I speak at boldness in that camera, is Billy Graham said it when Johnny Carson said, Billy, have you ever broken a Ten Commandment? And And Johnny Carson said, yes, I've broken them all. Or Billy Graham said, yes, I've broken every one of them. Johnny Carson leaned in, ooh, adultery, let me hear about this. You've done what, Billy? Hey, get that. Hey, camera four, get his face. Turn the volume up. Let's get this. Let's get everybody. And and Johnny Carson, or Billy Graham quoted um, some scripture 2.10. I think it's James 2.10. He quoted, hey, if you keep all the laws and offend in one, you've broken all of them. Brothers and sisters, we have to realize that you're either going to be all law or you're going to be grace. If you're going to go law, you got to keep them all. You got to keep them all. You got to keep them all. And nobody can keep them all. And that's why we are grace people, that we know that none of us keep the law. You can, even this list, even this list, it says none of these will inherit the realm of God. We're okay saying that that murderers won't, and adulterers won't, and, and, and we're okay with saying those people won't, but we can't even imagine some of those lesser ones, the ones that we do all the time. That's why in Romans chapter two, where it's where Romans chapter two it says it's the forbearance, it's the long suffering, and it's the gentleness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. It, it talks about that, but it, it gives this list in Romans Romans chapter one ends with this tough, tough chapter. But then it goes in and says, You guys judge and you're doing the same things. Here's why. Because it doesn't matter how squeaky clean you think you are. Everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. Here's what happens. When you get into the sinful cravings, because we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us. What it does is it, 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 is it, it it affects that kingdom realm. It affects that efficiency. It affects that um, fruitfulness. It affects that power. Do you know the scripture where it says grieve not the Holy Spirit? Th- that scripture there, that grieve is that grieve is like if you have a loved one that dies and they're in heaven, you grieve because you miss. Touching them and hugging them and giving them a kiss. Okay? When we get in, listen, when we get into sensual cravings, it breaks the spiritual realm. It, it breaks that intimacy. It, break, the, 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 it, it grieves the spirit because he's like, man, I, I don't want you to be into that. Because here's what happens. When we're in the wrong stuff, God can be there He did. He was there. When Adam and Eve sinned and did what they did, who was hiding? Anybody out here today? Listen. When Adam and Eve sinned, the horrible sins, who was hiding? Adam and Eve. Was God hiding? Did God still show up? Anybody here say amen? Amen. Did God still show up? Did he still come to walk with them in the cool of the day? He did. When we get in sinful cravings and we, when we indulge in stuff, what it does is it, it breaks that feeling of fellowship and intimacy. And it makes us feel awkward. And it makes us want to walk back away from the Lord. It affects what this scripture is saying right here. The the free haven't I also warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm? What it does, it keeps us from inheriting God's best. It keeps us from inheriting his kingdom world. And I want you to get a hold of that. Because I think a lot of people need to get need to give themselves a break on how critical you are in your life and take some of God's grace. And take some of his love and allow the Holy Spirit to refine you and get some things in your life. And don't condemn yourself to where you just kind of alienate yourself from God because you feel awkward with him. And you don't feel as effective in the kingdom realm. Man, when I'm doing good, I'm effective in the kingdom realm. My prayers seem stronger. My joy seems greater. My gifts seem better. I'm really going good in the kingdom realm. But when we indulge and we, we're not living and walking in the Spirit, it, it affects the kingdom realm. That's all I'm trying to say. How many, how many want to, then I'll end with this. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within us. If you'll bring that on the screen, Galatians 5.22 as we're ending. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you. I want you just to gaze at those words a minute. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Moses is breaking the law before the ink dried. There's no way they could do it. But man, when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, he gives me power to do it. Right now I want you to say, Lord, thank you that you produce fruit in me. Right where you're at. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to say the fruit. Say the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in me is a love in many varied expressions. A joy that overflows. If you're sad today, if you're down today, if you're depressed today, The Holy Spirit can give you a joy that overflows. Say, Holy Spirit, produce in me a peace that subdues. If you came in here without peace today, that life's cracking you good, I want you to know the Holy Spirit right now can produce a peace in you that subdues. Holy Spirit, I thank you that there is a patience. I want you to say, Lord, thank you for producing a patience that endures. How many of you have to endure a child or a work situation or a marital situation? The Holy Spirit can produce. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, produce a fruit in me. Produce patience that endures. How many of you have been an angry elf lately? I'm an angry elf. I'm angry at everything. Say, Holy Spirit, produce fruit of kindness in action. Holy Spirit, produce a life full of virtue in my life. A faith that prevails. Produce gentleness in my heart and strength in my spirit. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed all across this place, who would say my desire and passion meter from the Lord is a little low this morning? Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else, just raise your hand up. I see that hand. My passion meter. I see that hand. I see that hand. My desire. Anybody else? I see those hands. Now let's everybody across the whole congregation, let's all lift our hands. Just lift your hands up and say, Lord, thank you that you give me the desire and the power to do what pleases you. In Jesus' name. Ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, burn in me. Take this world from me. Burn in my heart. Give me desire for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.